Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where our goal is to highlight and bring awareness to people and organizations who are doing great things in our community with the hope that our listeners will be inspired to do the same. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations at Ellen Becker Investment Group. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you may have picked up on the fact that I am a major animal lover. Dogs are my favorite pet, but my kids would tell you that I get a little goofy when I see a beautiful deer, either in our yard, because I have a deer lick out in the backyard and I feed them apples, so they come to visit often, or out in the wild. I think that they are such a beautiful animal with their big brown eyes. But I do love all animals, and when they can provide unconditional love and emotional support, like a dog or a cat, that's extra special. But what about other animals that can provide emotional support and therapy even? They say that animal therapy builds on a concept called the human-animal bond and that this animal interaction releases powerful hormones such as oxytocin and serotonin that help us relax and lower our blood pressure. Now, there are actually a lot of really great statistics proving the effectiveness of pet therapy or animal-assisted intervention, but I can't possibly go into all of those today. Um, but we're going to get a taste of how a horse is used to provide therapy for kids and adults with special needs. My first guest today is Crystal Stevens, Vice President of Life Striders, a nonprofit that provides innovative and integrated cognitive and physical therapies online, on their farm, and sometimes on the backs of their horses. Welcome to the show today, Crystal. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. We're glad you're here. So why don't you start by sharing with us a little bit of your journey with Life Striders? Like how long have you been with them and why did you choose to lead this particular organization? Sure. So I came to Life Striders in 2012. Um, I had briefly been engaged in a uh, equine assisted therapeutic center before Life Striders that really opened my eyes to how enriching this experience is for uh, our team members, our, myself included, um, the volunteers that come support our, our therapies, but most importantly, how effective and enriching this therapeutic avenue is is for the clients that we serve. Um, so once I got a taste, that was it. My background originally was in um, working with horses as a, a professional trainer in the show industry. Okay. And just really not feeling that full fulfillment. Love animals like you, Jill, and um, recognizing how special the horse is. But at the end of the day, you want a career you're going to grow old with. And we all are looking for that sense of purpose. And uh, Life Striders has absolutely fulfilled that for me. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, give us a little bit of history then on Life Striders specifically. So Life Striders was started by Robert Conley and Veronica Sosa. Uh, Veronica Sosa was an inner city school psychologist in L.A. originally, um, or actually originally from Argentina, um, but had been working in inner city L.A. with a group of inner city um, at-risk youth uh, who really had been struggling um, with forget meeting school grades, struggling to be able to stay at home and, and out of detention facilities. She met her soon-to-be husband, Robert Conley, who had a background in physical therapy. 
Um, and had also done an internship in Wyoming at a center that used horses as part of their treatment strategies. And so he brought it up as an option that maybe she could try. She threw the kids from the school into the, the van and drove 45 minutes outside of inner city LA to find a therapeutic center that was not nearly the same breadth of services that Life Striders is, but something uh, close. And they volunteered. So they were not receiving services. They volunteered alongside of the participants. They were mucking stalls, sweeping barn aisles. Um, and Veronica saw just unbelievable gains that she had not seen in her practice before that and so quickly. And so once she experienced that type of breakthrough with her clients, she knew it had to be a part of her practice going forward. And so they um, had the decision to, you know, move to a location where they would have family supports and either her family in Argentina or Rob's family in the, the Waukesha community. And so um, they relocated to uh, Waukesha in, I want to say, 2004 to start Life Striders. Mm, wow. Rich history. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and then who do you serve? So we serve a really broad range of people, ages 2 to 102. Um, we're going to be working with individuals who are struggling to connect socially or um, working through emotional um, challenges, mental health. Um, and then, of course, working with individuals who have physical um, challenges as well. So whether that's cerebral palsy or Down syndrome um, and even um, aging and elderly, working to help maintain our, our strength and stave off um, some of the, the challenges that come with um, loss of muscle and, and range of motion and all those things that we start to lose with aging. So um, a really broad uh, variety of people. We serve at-risk youth, of course, as still at the, the heart of Life Strider's mission. So we partner with a lot of inner city agencies um, to help serve um, and access um, those who maybe not have access to nature-based and, and equine especially assisted therapies um, and then we do serve veterans as well as their family members so veterans and their family members receive services at Life Striders at completely no charge to them um, or their family members so whether that's the veteran themselves receiving counseling marriage counseling for them and their partner um, their child maybe needing social skills groups or that those at-risk youth programs uh, we will provide whatever services we have to offer to help support the family I think that's one of the things that's also really unique about Life Striders, having so many different services now. Um, we have the occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech and language pathology, uh, the mental health counseling services, both on the farm and online, um, therapeutic writing, um, the social skills groups. There's so many ways that we're going to be coming around and supporting the family as a whole. And so you're not just coming to Life Striders just you know, with one issue or, or one challenge and just trying to address that one place, we're going to be coming around that family and supporting them as a whole and offering a variety of services to help meet our us as complex beings as we are. Mm. And then, so you said the veterans, typically there's no cost. Are there costs for the other ages that you serve? So we strive uh, to keep all of our costs extremely low to all of our families, okay. and we're committed to keeping that low to low cost, no to low cost okay. um, for our families. So the majority of our families are um, subsidized at only one third of our actual costs. 
so Life Striders is working hard to fundraise on the backside and help keep these services accessible for families. Our volunteers are one of the main ways we're able to do that is to help um, keep the cost of staffing um, down for every participant that is working with the horses. We need three volunteers. We serve over 250 families a week now. So the thought of engaging that many staff members to help make these therapies possible is is unimaginable. Without the help of our volunteers, we couldn't help keep those costs down. But um, So that's one of the ways that we are able to keep those um, services accessible to families. Okay, okay. so that's, that's, a ni- that's an interesting model, of course. You know, many nonprofits, well, most all, can't do what they do without the services of volunteers, but I didn't realize that volunteers were so heavily involved um, in your programs. Uh, give us an idea of what that volunteering looks like and how old do you have to be uh, to volunteer? Sure. Our volunteers can start as young as eight years of age, so quite young. Um, and then we've had volunteers as, as um, you know, as in their 80s as well. Um, so volunteers may be helping with getting the horse, taking care of the horses, but most importantly, they are helping to actually work alongside of the therapist to keep those participants on the horse safe and engaging them to help reach their goals for that day. It's really interactive. Um, they get to be hands-on and build relationships with the clients, especially um, the if they come on a consistent basis. But they also build a community of, of friendships around them with the other volunteers when they come, too. And that's that kind of speaks to that intergenerational thing, right, and the importance of that. Exactly. It's such a um, – it's something you really don't see in the mainstream anymore, where you can see an 8-year-old teach an 80-something-year-old how to – groom a horse or a 75-year-old teaching the 17-year-old guy how to fix the fence boards. It's a little bit of a, a lost space that is really valued at Life Striders when we see so many different people from so many different backgrounds, expertises, age range, cultures, um, all coming together in this place that is a safe, welcoming environment. Um, and just giving the best of who we are every day. It's always, again, really one of the most inspiring things of Life Striders. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Um, well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, uh, but when we return, we're going to meet and talk with a volunteer who will share her experience of how she's making a difference for the people Life Striders serves. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG. Milwaukee's philanthropic community with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Crystal Stevens, VP from Life Striders. And we have invited a very special volunteer to join us today to talk about her experience. So, welcome to the show today, Brianna Sipkar. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You for having me. You're welcome. Well, why don't you start, Brianna, by telling us how long you've been volunteering at Life Striders? Yeah, so for me, it's been a while. I actually started volunteering back in 2014 when I was 11 years old. Um, so definitely a good amount. I've seen a good amount as I've been there. So kind of coming up on nine years in November um, and started working with the horses in the barn to where a couple years later, when I turned 13, I led my first horse on my 13th birthday. It was on a Saturday and really started helping out in that sense, too. And for quite a while, it was at the barn and volunteering five, six days a week because I just could not get enough of it. 
And are you a horse lover? Yes. I mean, is that kind of what drew you to the the organization initially? Yes, initially, absolutely. I really wanted to do something with horses. I have always loved horses, um, but I really didn't realize beyond the horses what it really could do for me, and that was the special part. Well, tell us about that. You know, how has your volunteering impacted your life? Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of it is exposure, exposure, exposure. I have gotten to see you so much in just the time that I've been at Life Striders. It was initially working with the horses and spending time in the barn and really getting to know that side of things. But the direct client care and working one-on-one with people um, in the therapy lessons was just so special, life-giving and rewarding to me. And I really didn't, uh, at the time know how much of an impact that it could give, not just to the people I was working with, but also to myself too, Um, and just how life-giving it is to just give back to the community. There's just so much that you get to see um, at Life Striders, and it's not just um, going in and going out and finishing up your day, but every time you're there, every day you're there, you just have so many people around you it's just smiles on their faces and it's just so life-giving and just gives you so much encouragement too. That's wonderful. Well, so now are you pursuing a career in healthcare and are you a student yeah. anywhere in particular? Yeah, so right now I'm at Carroll University. Uh, this is my last year in nursing school. It's been a great journey and it's been awesome, but um, it's also been really cool to just see where I was when I started to now being in the healthcare field. I mean, just so much of the exposure of being able to see direct patient care and what that looks like in somewhat somewhat of a different setting um, at Life Striders. It's not your traditional therapy because we do have the horses involved, which is just so incredibly special in its own way. Yeah. But I feel like that was an amazing segment too of just getting the exposure and really seeing what these therapies looked like um, in order for me to shape really what career path I wanted to take as well. Well, that was what I was thinking about is did you know prior to your experience at Life Striders that you wanted to get in the area of healthcare, or you're saying once you started at Life Striders and you saw all the opportunities of making an impact in someone's life from, from that standpoint that pushed you into your career path? Yeah, absolutely. So when I started, I pretty much grew up here um, at Life Striders. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But as I was able to see how the therapists work with the clients and seeing that day to day, I found it just so special and rewarding and wanted to figure out what to do within that avenue because I just loved healthcare so much and didn't know it before. Mm, well, hopefully there are uh, uh, many more kids that have that same path. Um, and I'm sure that there are many stories that Crystal can can share with us in that regard. Crystal, how do you see volunteers' lives changed through, like Brianna's was, through their experience at Life Striders? Yeah, so starting as, you know, the young students that come to Life Striders, we see so many vocational skills gained. Uh, thinking about Brianna specifically, actually, how she started, um, you know, little 
confident girl, but um, gaining those social skills and being able to speak to people. It was a couple of years into her her journey with Life Striders, and she was a mentor volunteer. So building those leadership skills, um, learning you know how to teach other people, show them the ropes, um, helping other people settle in, and and um, getting public speaking as well. Starting that, um, then you know again following her journey as she um, gets involved, you know, interested in the healthcare field goes to the, you know, applies to the university. This is something that's always a really big benefit for people that volunteer. That looks great when you're applying to a college and mm-hmm. when we can write those letters for you and say, yes, that this student has been involved and it has, we can say so many amazing things about somebody that's as incredible as Brianna, obviously, <laughs> who's been volunteering <laughs> with our organization for so long. Um, but then you're, we're also working with youth um, that are a little bit older, so in the college internship age. And then you know, our seniors who are have retired who are struggling to find that sense of purpose um that day to day what do i do with myself now we have so many people that come to life striders um who have found themselves lost isolating losing that community and this is we know how important whether you're an introvert or an extrovert you still need social connection you can gauge how much you need but you need to be involved in that community and to come to life striders and be a part of a mission that is greater than yourself where you are giving back but you have that sense of purpose every day. You know, I can think of um, one of our volunteers that started with us in his late 70s or, and, you know, just a super short shuffle as he was walking um, and struggling with just mobility. And after just a summer of volunteering in the barn, like this guy gets around. I love seeing the physical benefits that can come for um, some, like that senior community as we're talking about. Many of our veterans have found sense of purpose at Life Striders mm-hmm. through volunteering as well. If you think about getting out of the service and reintegration and trying to become a part of a community again when you've lost your purpose, this is why so many of our um, servicemen and women had joined the military in the first place is because they wanted to serve. And now you may lose that sense of mission. Um, our uh, field operations uh, manager, Joe, even talks about this and himself. He's been out of the Air Force and his come onto our team. Um, and again, how much that sense of purpose has been revitalized and, and given back to his life by being, again, a part of something that's so much bigger than yourself when you're serving individuals with special needs and and the volunteers. And, and again, it's a community where we are supporting each other and helping so that our those who um, you know, our minorities, those who are underserved are able to receive that better care and, and take their first steps and say their first words. Those who struggled, um, you know, recovering from a stroke are learning to walk again or gaining the strength so that they can sit up and care for themselves, transition, et cetera. Um, so there's, again, this this sense of purpose, whether it's for caring for our our um clients on horseback or whether it's caring for the horses so that they can continue to do the work they do as well. Whether you're an animal lover, a nature lover, um, or just, again, want to be involved in the community, I, I think I've seen so many lives changed through through volunteering. Like, of course, we're talking about, yes, the therapies themselves, counseling services, changing people's lives. But the volunteers, absolutely do I see their lives changed in dramatic and really exciting ways. Well, would you say then that volunteers would be your greatest need? 
Oh my goodness, yes. Okay. <laughs> so again, as we talked about, we couldn't do what we do without our volunteers. So of course, financial assistance is always going to be needed in a nonprofit um, that is, you know, again, making sure things are accessible. But the volunteer service, their time to care for all of these clients that are receiving services and the horses and the 23 acres, whether you have gardening skills, whether you have woodworking skills, mechanic skills, we will take you. <laughs> we have it. Um, You'll put their skills to work. Absolutely. Absolutely, and um, and love to have them, and um, and really, really need it. Life Striders has grown significantly, as Brianna mentioned, adding speech and language pathology, another physical therapist this year, another occupational therapist, a school counselor. I'll go on and on. We have a wait list of clients that are waiting to receive services. We want to get to them, but. Again, remembering every client that is receiving services on horseback needs those volunteers to come lead the horses in the class, walk alongside of them. So without the volunteers, we would not be able to fulfill our mission. Okay. Well, um, talking about volunteers being such a big part of your um, the, the partnerships that you have with volunteers being so important. Does Life Striders partner with other agencies in well, the community? Yeah, absolutely. So again, as we talked about, that student education piece is a big part of our program. And so partnerships have been one of the main ways that we're able to continue to uh, reach individuals in that space. So whether it's Waukesha West, Waukesha North, um, we have student internships who come through Mount Mary um, for the counseling services whether it's behavioral sciences or art therapy. Um, we have um, actually now a partnership with uh, UWM for speech and language pathology. Uh, we've had a partnership with Carroll University for several years that is working to serve um, their occupational therapy students and interns. Um, and so really, again, it's a, uh, not only is it a beautiful partnership that means so much to us to see those students come through and learn all of those skills and develop a passion for healthcare like Brianna did within our spaces. Um, but it's something that, of course, it um, hopefully is helping to serve the missions that we're partnering with as well and meeting their goals and what they're trying to achieve. Well, that's what it's all about, right? Working together for a common goal. Um, so if someone is listening and they want to either uh, volunteer or they want to donate $100,000 or, <laughs> or $1, you know, it all counts, right? Um, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you. Well, yes, please, to all of those. <laughs> um, visit lifestriders.org. Um, so it's L-I-F as in Frank, E-S-T-R-I-D-E-R-S dot O-R-G. Um, through our website, they can find all of our contact information. They can call us. They, if they want to schedule a tour, we'd love to have people out just to see the facility and learn more about how they can get involved in finding the right programs for them. Um, but Definitely um, shooting us a call or visiting that website um, to start. You can also get the volunteer application right there. And, yes, they can donate online there as well. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much to Crystal Stevens, VP of Life Striders, and our special guest today, Brianna Sipkar. Thank you for sharing your experience on what it means to be a volunteer and give back. So thank you both for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Jill. You're welcome. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We have to take our breaks in between each each of our segments. But when we return, we're going to learn more about one of these special partnerships that Life Striders has. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. 
You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations. And my next guest today is April Phillips, Clinical Assistant Professor of Occupational Therapy at Carroll University. Welcome to the show today, April. Thank you so much, Jill. Happy to be here. Uh, We're happy to have you. Thank you for being here. Um, Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been at Carroll and maybe... You know, why did you choose to pursue the field of occupational therapy? Certainly. Um, I have been at Carroll for five years, um, serving as an academic professor in the occupational therapy department. Um, I've been an educator for 20 years now um, and in OT for uh, just shy of 20, just a year under. So, um, long standing. Um, panel there. My background is in pediatrics, specifically neonatal intensive care. Um, And then coming into Carroll, I teach the pediatric curriculum, but also am the academic fieldwork coordinator. Okay. Well, you got a nice background there. (laughs) Um, why, uh, Why the area of occupational therapy specifically? You know, it's a long road. Um, when you go through education system to figure out really where you fit. Um, and OT blended art and science in such a beautiful way. Uh, serving people is my passion. And so, you know, a wise person told me and has been told across uh, generations, right, do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. So yes. um, I find that that is very true. That's very true. Well, that's wonderful. Yes, when you can bring those two things together, something that you love and earn a living from it, that's that's awesome. That's ideal, right? Ideal. Um, so why don't you just explain uh, what occupational therapy is? So occupational therapy is a rehabilitative um, approach to healthcare. Um, we fall in line with speech therapy, physical therapy, um, cardio rehab, exercise physiology in that same line. Um, OT started, it's a very long history, um, back before World War One, but we really pulled um, forward in the 1900s, looking as soldiers returned from war, needing different approaches to mental health and physical rehabilitation, and finding that the use of occupations, or specifically the tasks that we do every day, um, really gave purpose to soldiers uh, in their life and helped them um, influence uh, positive rehabilitation. So making gains in their um, daily living skills and returning back into the community. Okay, and I think it's good for people to get a better understanding. I mean, maybe somebody isn't quite sure how occupational therapy is different from some other kind of therapy. So it's good to define what that is. So, okay, we know what occupational therapy is. So then tell us more about the occupational therapy program at Carroll University. Sure. Um, So Carroll is the oldest institution of higher education in the state of Wisconsin. We actually became um, a college before Wisconsin was a state, which is a little known fact to a few people. But being an old pioneering institution, the OT program actually is fairly new at Carroll. We have welcomed our eighth cohort, just started, um, and we are a two-year accelerated master's program, uh, meaning that students 
spend 24 straight months through uh, prior to graduation and sitting for their national board exam. Um, they complete four semesters of didactic work and two semesters in full-time clinical internships. Um, the unique thing about Carol's program is that we start patient care right after their first semester. So they do 10 weeks of education to get everyone in the same playing field, and then we start patient care immediately following. Hmm. Okay. I imagine that's a great thing then, right? Just dive right in and get 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 working right away. Absolutely. Um, so obviously I'm interested in community collaboration. You know, we like to understand how nonprofits in our community are uh, changing the landscape of, of community involvement or community interaction where maybe there wasn't any or wasn't as much as perhaps was needed. So how are programs such as Life Striders and Carroll University uniquely suited to community collaboration? Um, there are a lot of components that go into building collaborations um, in the community, as I'm sure you are well aware, Jill. Um, but Carol's OT program is a nationally accredited program. So we have to comply with standards that are set forward by our accrediting body, but also the standards that we have set for our program. Um, Carol, by nature, is a servicing institution. We really work hard to ensure that all of our students, whether they are undergraduate or graduate, are providing community service here in Waukesha and in the surrounding areas that meet the needs of their curriculum and the needs of the institution, and most importantly, the needs of the community. So one of the components that we've embraced at Carroll in the OT program is partnering with Life Striders to allow our students to serve, provide community service hours, but also be able to take in the experience of working with the therapists and the medical providers at Life Striders um, from a patient collaborative as well. So it's sort of a win-win for the two of us. Um, the design helps students get involved um, directly with working in the ring with um, clients and a multi-faceted healthcare provision. So we have um, psychologists and counselors and physical therapists and speech therapists and all of these people working in this same space, allowing students to experience what that looks like from an integrative health perspective, but also helping them serve in a way that is productive. That's wonderful to bring those two together. Instead of saying, okay, go through the whole curriculum or the whole program, and then now let's look at, let's bring in this community um, collaboration piece. You know, Absolutely. and they may be like, wait, what? You know, but if they start <laughs> out by knowing that this is part of the, the program, um, do you have other examples of, of ways that Carroll University has partnered with other places? We have worked with a couple other different collaboratives. We've worked with um, curative um, healthcare. We have worked with um, Waukesha Free Clinic. We continue to work with Waukesha Free Clinic. Um, there are a few other partners, but the way that we work with Life Shredders is a little bit unique in that we utilize it for a, a fieldwork experience for our students. Yeah. Well, and then what impact do you think that uh, the collaboration has on the students directly? It prepares students not only to work in an integrative health field, um, fills their volunteer service hours, but then when they get out on internship, they know how to communicate. Mm. 
And so important. Really right? important. <laughs> and it really makes the difference both in building their confidence as they move forward in patient care, but also in that that collaboration um, that you really want from your healthcare provider. Yeah, and, and I think you've said before that experience, it's powerful, right? You know, it, it, it generates these conversations, these one-on-one opportunities to, um, you know, to, to look at some ideas, different ways of doing things perhaps, which is wonderful. Um, so, well, let's take a quick break because we need to do that. Uh, and then when we come back, we're going to pick up on this conversation of community collaboration. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Relations. And I'm ending this uh, last segment today with April Phillips, Clinical Assistant Professor of Occupational Therapy at Carroll University. So, April, we were talking before the break about community collaboration. Uh, The Occupational Therapy Program at Carroll has taken a unique approach to this, as you've discussed with regard to um, Life Striders and how Mm -hmm. you do that. Uh, give us an idea, though, of, of some other experiences that are available to students before they graduate. Absolutely. Um, so since I have taken uh, this position at Carroll, I have worked really hard to reimagine how we do or complete our level one clinical experiences for students. Um, so in my time here, we have had our students doing very passive, almost observation-typed level, what we call a level one. So this is 40 hours of clinical observation and engagement. And for me, as a practicing clinician, that just didn't suit well. I feel like we need more hands-on, right? If we're going to be preparing clinicians, preparing healthcare providers, um, we need to be a little more active uh, in that process. And so our students do three rotations, and one of those rotations is with Life Striders, as we talked about. But our second rotation is done actually in um, coordination with the Waukesha Free Clinic here in Waukesha, and we bring in um, participants from the community, and they actually receive wellness, OT wellness services. So these are individuals who have outreached their insurance coverage and still have continuing rehabilitative needs. Maybe they've had a stroke or they've had a brain injury. Um, They come into clinic and our students pair with them one-to-one under the supervision of licensed occupational therapists. And we provide care, again, in that same clinic fashion. Um, But it gives students that dynamic where they can engage with patients and create their plans and write their treatment notes and confer uh, with a supervisor to carry that forward for them. Um, And we haven't forgotten my favorite group of humans, which is the pediatric population. (laughs) So in the summer, uh, we run a handwriting clinic at our graduate center. Um, Albert Einstein, you know, a great uh, reference for so many of us. He says, play is the highest form of research. Um, And to that note, I am am so excited about this camp that we developed. And so we we partner with the school districts in Waukesha, and we bring kiddos in who struggle with handwriting. Um, 
We pair them one-to-one with an occupational therapy student, and we do a week-long camp um, where students work on sensory motor, visual motor, um, handwriting skills, movement, self-regulation, all of these different aspects that help make them very successful in the school setting. Um, And the most fun part about that is the majority of them become pen pals with our students. Oh, nice. So as we are shipping our students off into level two um, fieldwork across the country, they are still connected uh, here in Waukesha, which is so exciting. It is. And everybody's benefiting. The kiddos, like you said, are benefiting. The students are benefiting. Um, Tell us some of the some of the other benefits, you know, to to this approach of training students. Certainly. So it puts students in an environment where they are with licensed practitioners. And so um, they start to learn the ways of clinical practice, just the mechanics, much faster. And we have an accelerated program, so they don't have as much time either. So it works really well to get them better equipped um, to identify and support goals uh, under this model so that they can move into the community. Um, The other piece that I find is, is so imperative is communication. So they work on written communication as well as oral communication and it allows them to really take that holistic approach to patient care in a way that just becomes natural. Um, And it also really encourages them to be lifelong learners, which is something we both strive for at Carroll's University, but also within our program. And I think those soft skills, if you will, are so important because not to pick on that generation, but I think some of those are lost with the internet and with social media. And um, I mean, when I was in school, we never, well, we did have a communications class, but it wasn't what I would think of a communications class being today. But I think that that's important. So um, not only with their peers, but with different generations, as you say, just understanding how best to communicate with all different types of people that you're serving, right? Absolutely. Anxiety uh, runs really high, so this is incredibly helpful in preparing them. Well, when you first started talking about handwriting, I thought, yeah, I thought you were going to talk about how best to write so that people can see what you're writing, because sorry to say, but so many doctors or clinicians, it's kind of difficult to read their handwriting, so that's, that's where I thought you were going is. with that one, but no. Okay. Well, what are some of the limitations then, do you think, to this type of, of programming? Um, I think our program is challenged with limitations in the way that other programs are challenged, right? Recruiting volunteers, finding funding sources, building those partnerships, and really allowing them to stay functional uh, in the long term so that they serve both our program as well as the community. Um, We really do struggle to find active participating volunteers. ways to make experiences accessible. So um, even though we're able to put the students in this clinic we've developed, we also find that patients still have needs. And being able to meet those uh, requires some internal funding and and being able to do splints and other mechanics and some adaptive equipment and home modifications and things. So there's definitely still a need um, that way in finding supplies and, and meeting safety standards. Um, but then also really continuing to grow this phase of clinical education into the level two. So that's partnerships with our healthcare partners in the community, um, community-based practitioners, and being able to put students um, in connection with, with folks that can help serve their education. And so if I were to ask you the question, um, what do you feel is your greatest challenge or your greatest need at this point? 
How would you answer that? I think our greatest need is always finding level two supervisors. Okay. <laughs> finding therapists out in the community who want to foster that education process by supervising a student. Um, it, it's a big commitment. And so it's a 480-hour commitment. It's a big deal. Oh, wow. And so okay. it's, it takes a very strong collaboration um, with our partners and and with our practitioners and our students to, to meet that need. Okay. Well, if you're listening and you're interested in being a level two. Clinical p- supervisor. Clinical supervisor. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then you need to get on the horn and Absolutely. talk to April. <laughs> I, will, I will entertain all the questions. All right. Well, <laughs> tell us then how our listening audience can, can get involved. How, what can they do to help? Um, if you want to supervise a student, clearly I will happily speak to you. Um, time is always the most valuable resource. So if you have some time to give, you want to spend an afternoon, a day, um, let me connect you with a campus event. We are always looking for volunteers. If you know someone who's in need of a physical or an occupational therapy service, maybe they're recovering from cancer. We run a care clinic on campus. Um, all different types of ways that we can help the community, but we need those volunteers to come in and participate with our students. Um, the other thing that I think is not talked about near often enough is the needs of students and a lot of people think oh these are students attending a private institution they carry a lot of needs we have food insecurity on campus they don't have professional apparel to go on interviews um different other components so if you have some professional apparel that you're emptying out your closet some shoes some workwear drop it off at the orange thread we just opened a brand new um student serviced thrift shop on campus i guess for lack of better words okay um we also provide food and um, personal care items in this venue as well for our students so monetary donations are always accepted um, and they are stewarded directly towards students Uh, if you are making a uh, donation on the website you can list the carol fund as your donation designation Okay, well, that's really great to know about this orange thread because I am asked a number of times if there are places that uh, will accept professional clothing. There used to be a place in West Dallas, I believe it was, that is no longer. And um, uh, knowing that there's a place or a home for these uh, gently used professional outfits is Absolutely. is good to know. So keep that in your back pocket, you know, if, if you've got something in your closet that you're trying to... Uh, to thin out, yes, right? right? Both down men, on Barstow Street, men and women. Men yes. and women. Okay, mm-hmm. very good to know. Um, and then, why don't you end our interview today, April, by sharing um, what's the best way for people to contact either you or the OT program at Carroll? Certainly, um, the web is our friend, so you can search Carroll University of Wisconsin, CarrollU.edu. You can send direct um, inquiries to me. A Philip at carolu.edu. Um, I can be reached via phone as well. Some people still dial phone numbers. Uh, <laughs> 262-951-3130. And indirect inquiries can be made to cuinfo at carolu.edu. Wonderful. Well, I've learned a lot today uh, about the OT program and just uh, some general things about Carroll University, including the Orange Thread. That's all good good stuff to know. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for being here today and for all the ways that you serve our community in uh, in your particular field. So thank you. Thank you. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, you can reach out to Life Striders or Carroll College directly. 
if you know of a great organization or people doing great work in our community that you think would be great guests for our show, feel free to email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Tune in next Sunday morning at 10 to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community to learn more about the ways people and organizations are serving others and making our community a great place to live, work, play, and to be educated, right? <laughs> Higher education opportunities. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. And I encourage you to visit our website because you'll find uh, previously aired shows listed there, over 400 of the nonprofits in our community that have been interviewed. Or you can listen on demand at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. I encourage everyone to make people aware of all these great resources that are available right here in our own community. Advocating for these great organizations you hear about on our show is really a great way to make an impact in the lives of others, not only with people you know, but when those people that you talk to share that information with others, the impact can have a domino effect. Just opening your mouth about the great work that they do can have an impact in ways you may never even know. You can also get involved by donating or volunteering like Brianna talked about. I'm sure anything you do will be appreciated. We can't do everything, but we can all do something. So find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Thanks for listening today and have a great day.